You know, if you came into Marshall or Longview, you would notice the obvious differences in how various races of people carried themselves. Pete Lamoth has been an East Texan since birth and an Eastman employee for nearly half of the company's 100-year history. I think I've been very, very fortunate to have an employer for 45 years that I've enjoyed and have had work that I've enjoyed doing for that longer period of time. And he has quite a story to tell. It's a story about change. When I was hired, we had maybe four or five black professionals. There was an engineer that worked in the plant. There were a couple of accountants, an industrial hygienist, and me. This is the Voices of Eastman podcast a celebration of the success, values, and people that have shaped Eastman's 100-year history. In this episode, we get to know Pete Lamoth, a longtime employee who's worked at Eastman's manufacturing site in Longview, Texas. During his tenure, he's seen the company, and indeed the world, change. Pete's story begins not far from Longview. He was born in Marshall, Texas. As a child, he soon discovered that people around him often discriminated against him because of his race. It was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was a nightmare. I mean, you know, back in those days, the whole climate and environment was different because it was a, it was a truly segregated society. You know, from all the way down to the county fair, had one day out of the week of the fair uh, that was called uh, Colored's Day, uh, and that was a, that was the only day uh, black kids or black anything could go go on at the fair. Even his father, a respected doctor in the community, faced discrimination while caring for his patients. In most cities, the uh, the major hospitals, uh, a black doctor could not admit his patients unless he turned them over to a, a white doctor to admit and uh, and be treated. The integration of schools did not ease the tensions. Uh, there were only 12 black kids in the entire high school of a couple of thousand. It was intense. Yeah, as soon as my mother's car turned the corner, leaving from dropping us off, it got pretty tense. <laughs> Growing up, Pete intended to follow his father's footsteps and study medicine. So I played that out all the way through high school. Went to college. Went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. Went there pre-med until, you know, I got through that freshman year. That stuff just was not exciting me that much. That science and biology and all that kind of thing. So I got into the business department. I majored in accounting. Despite this change, Pete did not want to spend his life crunching numbers. The life in an accountant was just like too structured and, you know, all the desks were lined up. This was pre-computer, you know. Everybody had their calculator. It was a world I didn't really want. So he two-stepped his way back to Texas to begin a career in banking. But he wasn't just focused on his career. Pete began what would become a lifetime of service that's included working with black fraternities, community groups, and the Boy Scouts. They were needing a scoutmaster. My dad had been my scoutmaster, so he convinced me, hey, you ought to take over and be scoutmaster in this troop. It was during some scout leadership training that Pete first considered working at Eastman. And they were asking me, hey, man, you ever you ever uh, thought about coming to work at Texas Eastman? You know, and I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Where is it? You know, you know the Kodak place. Oh, yeah, the Kodak place. Yes, the Kodak place. That was Texas Eastman, a manufacturing site founded in 1952 to support Kodak's chemical business. Pete got his hands on an application. Sent it in, man, two weeks later, I was a newly minted Eastman employee. <laughs> 
my banking career was over. It was a wild beginning. I started off working in uh, what was called industrial relations, which is now HR, human resources. Pete was studying wages and salaries, writing job descriptions, and building systems for a growing plant. When I came to work, we had maybe 1,100, 1,200 employees. Then we had a jump. We took in a contractor. We brought in all their employees. And then we started building manufacturing facilities, hiring operators, mechanics, uh, engineers, that kind of thing. Pete's passion for people made him a good fit for HR and the ideal candidate to join Eastman's recruiting team. So we were working on the weekend. We were working on Sunday trying to get pay increases, merit increases done. And uh, he said, this is like 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon. So I was like, okay, so when, when do we leave? He said, uh, well, you can go home now because the plane's leaving in the morning. <laughs> but I don't know how to recruit. I don't know anything about recruiting. Don't worry about that part. We'll teach you that. So two days later, I did my first recruiting schedule. Very quickly, Pete recognized the difference he could make by bringing more diverse hires to Eastman. But after a few years, Pete had had enough recruiting trips. He was ready to start coaching. I kind of fell in love with training and performance improvement. Pete and his team designed and built training systems from scratch. It was important to Pete to give Eastman employees the professional development he never received. I never had a mentor when I was hired as a professional employee. Nobody ever asked me about, you know, or even made an attempt to coach me beyond my immediate supervisor. <laughs> And that's all the way through my career. Being black and working in HR put Pete in a unique position to hear the struggles other black employees faced. Folks were like looking at me and being a savior or something, you know? And people would just show up at my office, you know, kind of clandestinely after lunch or uh, right when lunchtime started to want to tell me about the problems they were having in, the, in their work areas and what, you know, how their management was treating them. You know, and I was like, you know, that's not right. That just, that just ain't right. And we, we, I know that's not tolerated. That kind of stuff is not tolerated. We have policies against that. I said, I'm going to talk to my boss, see what they have to say, but they're probably going, no, no, don't go talk to my boss. But those investigations would often prompt retaliation. That next day, they were like, why would you go tell our boss? Uh, man, he gave us, he, he changed our job assignments, gave us some, some of the bad jobs. I was like, oh, God, man, I'm sorry. But, you know, it just was that kind of climate. Uh, folks were still being treated poorly. Pete says this toxic environment changed in the early 1990s, thanks to the company's focus on quality. But that had a tremendous effect on, on us. And not only did it, it improve teamwork, team member empowerment was big, team decision-making was a big deal. And we had structure around, you know, the kinds of things we try to accomplish as teams. Uh, but the company just took a hard line. It's like, you know, we're changing our culture. Some managers and employees who weren't comfortable or compatible with the changes found that they no longer had a place at Eastman. So uh, it did change the population, the employee population, and it did change in a big way the culture of the company. And Pete has been part of the transformation, advising the company on inclusion and diversity at the highest levels. Uh, I've participated in a lot of projects, corporate projects, as well as, uh, you know, a lot of projects here in Longview. You know, there's a lot of inclusion and diversity stuff going on with us now. Uh, but even back then as a part of Kodak, Kodak had uh, quite a bit of activity, uh, you know, in, on the inclusion and diversity front. Pete has also seen progress outside the walls of the plant. Absolutely, it's different today. We just recently, this uh, past February, Black History Month, put on the first Black History Month public program sponsored in partnership 
by Eastman in the city of Longview. And after 45 years, Pete continues to play a leading role in Eastman's inclusion and diversity efforts, trying to coach workers on its importance. As Pete approaches retirement, he knows his legacy at Eastman won't be tied to profits, but it's in the people he trained and touched along the way. For a long time, I was kind of perpetrating around like I was a young guy, you know, with a 30-year history at the company. <laughs> and still thinking I fit, in, I, I, I fit in with the new hires, you know, and uh, they kind of surprised me in giving me a level of respect and, you know, acknowledgement that that I've got some experience and I can offer some counsel or some things to them. Yes, I do feel like I've made a difference. The Voices of Eastman podcast is a production of Eastman Corporate Communications. For more episodes, visit eastman.com voices.